The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's podcast. I'm I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And Paul Mitchell, our special guest, political data, who's going to explain things to us involving cell phones, landlines, and data. Yeah. Paul, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, explain my cell phones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I saw the piece that uh, you did through CA120. Yeah. Which we ran yesterday, which is great. And uh I, I do know that the use of cell phones is increasing, the use of landlines is disappearing, but exponentially the use of cell phones is, is increased. I mean, it's really spiked. That Pew Research uh, report that you mentioned nine years ago, less than yeah. nine years ago, it was 5%. Uh, we're using cell phones only in households. Now it's almost half, almost yeah. one out of two. Um, how does that affect what you do? Well, first off, what Pew Research has done is, you know, really push the entire polling world into um, using a lot more cell phones. And, but you should note that a lot of the, what the work they're doing isn't necessarily voter surveys, and definitely not the kind of narrow voter surveys that we do often in like a legislative or congressional race where you're only surveying people who are likely to vote. So okay. the, the larger context, if you were to try to poll you know, all 40 million Californians, it's going to be a much larger cell phone survey. You're going to be doing random digit dialing. You're going to be trying to contact people any way you can. In uh, most surveys in California, they're voter file driven. So we can only utilize the cell phones, landlines, and email addresses that are on the voter file. And you're still missing a large percentage of the people out there. Right? Yeah, most people have one method or another that you can reach them on. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, with landlines, we're getting fewer and fewer people who are putting their landline phone number on a voter registration card, um, more putting cell phone numbers, and surprisingly, especially with the online registrants, even more putting email addresses. So um, there's, there's the access to different kinds of data that is changing. There's the rate at which people respond to different kinds of contact, whether yeah. it's mm-hmm. you know the, the study that Jonathan Brown did showed that most people are hesitant to answer a phone number that they don't recognize on a landline phone because I think most people presume every call that comes in is a telemarketer and that's their mom. That was a really interesting note in your article, and that's counterintuitive, but it totally makes sense because I haven't answered my landline in years. Yeah, Yeah, and and that's one of the weird things about it. So we used to have essentially like a captive audience. When you're doing polling and you're calling people's landlines, and there's no caller ID, and everybody picks up their phone, uh, you know, your only challenge was, were people home or not? You know, and, but you could still, you could essentially get to every voter uh, through the landline technology. Um, But then, as you shift more towards cell phone, it's not just about, are they available or not, but now, uh, are they going to answer... with a landline, are they going to just presume that every call they get is some kind of like insurance salesman? Is that an age thing? Uh, people yeah. who who own cell phones are they on the natural younger than people who still rely on landlines? Is that 
Oh. Well, yeah, I, mean, I think to put it the other way, the people who have landlines are mostly older people. Uh -huh. um, very few pe young people get their first apartment and say, hey, sign me up for a landline phone. Yeah, sure. So, The landlines also are, uh, like, like Tim was saying, are sort of conduits, I think, for, um, you know, for salespeople. Yeah. Um, do you have a problem with doing polls of falling into that group? Do people think, oh, my God, it's another, it's another pitch of some sort and hang up? I mean, do you get a... Well, yeah, I mean, you're always going to have that. There's going to be this uh, bias in polling of certain types of people that just don't want to take a poll, whether it's on landline or a cell phone or responding to an email. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think if people are answering a landline phone and they have this inclination that's most likely going to be a telemarketer, they're going to have a negative response the minute they hear the phone ring before they even answer it. Now, we do have... Uh, in California, we have a lot more access to voter information yeah. than most other states. Can you put that in the context of what other huh. states have to deal with? Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge is we're learning a lot in California about utilizing this kind of mixed method of, you know, contact some people with landlines, some people with cell phones, and others with emails, and how to integrate that stuff. The problem around the country and around the world is that not every other place is so blessed with this kind of data. Um, you know, we have an election going on in England, and I talked to a pollster in England, and the voter lists in England are the name and the address. There's no really? partisanship, there's no additional, you know, no emails, no cell phones, no anything, no uh, what elections people participated in before. They literally are calling random people at households yeah. in England, asking them what if they're Tory or Labour. They ask them things like, do you subscribe to a newspaper or not? Um, uh, they ask them what their age is because they don't know what that is either. They ask them if they're going to vote. They don't know if they have a past history of voting. What's your track record like? You know, I mean, In England? Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, I think it was in 2015 they had a very bad miss in terms of their polling. But generally it's pretty good um, in part because you have, um, uh, you know, you have history going back as to what areas have supported what types of candidates in England. Mm -hmm. And you have, um, you know, pollsters that have been working within that environment for a long time. But it is a challenge that when we talk to pollsters, actually there are companies in England that do modeling and so on for clients in California. And when they see our data list, really? they just, their minds are blown. Um, and so, uh, you know, there are challenges if a pollster from California went to England and just tried to do a poll with that kind of a list, I think you'd have a lot more big misses. But when you have people is that seen over there as a privacy protection? Is it a privacy issue? I don't know what drives it. You know, and in the U.S., I think there's different rationales in different parts of the country. Yeah, because it's um, a lot different. Different states. I know that we have much more access to voter file information than a lot of other states. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. We have a robust voter file, and. Uh, you know, thanks to the work goes back 30 years uh, with companies like PDI, we've got this robust kind of history mm -hmm. where even if uh, you were to go to the county registrar and get the Sacramento voter file, you might not have emails. You might not have all the phone numbers. You might not have a lot of this information. But we can backfill it with data from prior registrations and from data around yeah. the state to, to make that more robust. Yeah. So, Do you um, get different responses? Uh, is there a way of measuring quantitatively the responses you get from people who use cell phones primarily and the responses you get from people who use landlines? I mean, is there some, in your polling, is there some difference between them? Yeah, between so the the, essentially talking about response rates. Um, response rates can vary, and when I say response rate, you might get like two responses for every hundred phone calls. 
you know, really? that yeah, something like that. You might get four responses for every phone call. So you might get, you know, three responses for every hundred emails or something like that. So um, you do have varying response rates by different, whether it's cell phone, landline, or email. Yeah. But one of the biggest drivers of response rates is simply um, socioeconomic. So you get, uh, you know, more responses on landline from older, higher income voters. Uh, and it's very, very hard to get a apartment-owning 24-year-old Latino Democrat in L.A. Uh -huh. on a landline. You know, yeah. you'd be calling landlines all day long. Um, also note that landlines and email are actually cheaper for a pollster than cell phones because cell phones, you have to have a live human being calling each time. Uh, you can't have, like, auto-dialers to cell phones. So okay. for a pollster, they're going to spend a lot more money trying to get those cell phone responses than they do getting email responses yeah. or landline responses. Is that cost-effective? I mean, that's one of the reasons I think that people are looking more to email is not only how do we quickly and efficiently complete these surveys, but yeah. also how do we do it, like, on a scale economically where we're not, you know, having to sink so much money mm -hmm. into live callers repeatedly calling you know, a hundred people on their cell phones yeah. to try to get two or three to respond to a survey, especially within when surveys can be, you know, 15 or 20 minutes or even longer. So if we look to 2018, looking ahead, we see more cell phones. I assume that trend is going to continue. Yeah. Proportionally more cell phones and then more email, uh, internet polling or email polling? Is that yeah, I think when we look down towards 2018, we're going to see more use of email polling. And... Um, uh, and when I talk about that, you know, we're talking about an, a, a polling method where you email a known voter, you ask them to respond to a survey, yeah. and uh, when they respond, you can tie that back to their voter record. There, there is also a thing called panels, which is an online, you go to a company that's recruited 500 people to take surveys. And each of them are going to get a $5 gift card to Target or to Starbucks or something like that. Is that, that. how panels work? I know you mentioned That's panels That's how panels before. work. Yeah, panels okay. are pre-selected people who say that they're a registered voter, say uh -huh. that they're a Democrat, say they're going to vote or whatever it is that you're looking for. Maybe yeah. it's your company selling toothpaste and you want to do a survey. But um, they're pre-selected people that have agreed to take surveys for compensation. Okay. And um, around the country, you see a lot more panels. Uh, and in California, with our robust data set, you really don't need to use panels. Um, and so you see a lot, lot fewer people using panels in California. But nationally, if you're trying to do a poll of all 50 states, and some people have this kind of voter file, some people have that kind of voter file, some states have email addresses, some places don't. Yeah. Some places a voter file costs $25, some places a voter file costs $25,000. Wow. You know, um, you know, you might be in a situation where you're like, well, if I'm going to try to do a yeah. survey, na national survey, I'd be better off doing a panel. And the um, fact that they're pre-selected and the fact that um, they've taken compensation doesn't skew the... I mean, Well, what you're really trying to... There's the tangibles and the intangibles. So the yeah. tangibles are you want to get the right number of young people and old people and white and Latino and Asian yeah. and African American and Democrats and Republicans and people who live in rural areas, people who live in urban areas people who um, are homeowners, people who are renters, and these are the tangibles, and you can control for those. Yeah, okay. What you can't control for really is, like, why are they taking the survey? Is, is your survey skewed towards, like, old, dotty people who are bored at home answering their landlines and they want to talk to somebody and that's why they're taking your poll? 
Is your it's your angry voter cohort? Is it right? your or is your poll is your poll skewed by people who want to gloat about their side winning, or the opposite that people aren't responding to the poll because they don't want to hear another thing about Trump, you know, oh, yeah. and they're upset about their side not performing well. Yeah. So there's these there's these biases that you can't really control for in a in a you know a weighting of socioeconomic data, demographics, and other statistics. Um, it's that enthusiasm, motivation. Who, why is somebody taking a poll? And so you have to. That's one of the neat things about potentially doing email, landline, and cell phone all together is that you could end up kind of flattening that out a little oh, bit. Yeah. So it's kind of like um, I remember covering a court case once, and the defense lawyer, after the uh, during a break, said that he wanted happy jurors. What you don't want are angry jurors because they always take it out on the defendant. I don't yeah. know if that's true or not. So, yeah. But I'm wondering, is that the same with voters? Uh, you want, um, maybe not always happy voters, but you want sort of... I'm sure if you're the incumbent, you want happy voters. Yeah, you want... I mean, you well, want you, what you want is to get a realistic result. Yeah. What you want is a realistic result and, uh, and a result in your poll that really reflects what is happening in the electorate. Yeah. And if there is a bias, like... You know, they were seeing in the 2016 cycle this idea that when Hillary was down, her people didn't want to respond to polls. And yeah. then when Trump was down, his people didn't want to respond to polls. And yeah. so you have this inherited, like, leader's bias that the people who are wanting to respond to polls are like, you know, Hillary's ahead, so I want to respond to this poll. Yeah. Um, and so you could have this bias there. Um, and it's not, you know, campaigns don't want just a, a poll to show they're ahead. That campaigns want a poll that shows that they're, um, you know, the realistic result. Are they some, just a final question, are they, uh, campaigns, seeing different data inside internally than might get released oh, uh, yeah. publicly? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for the campaign needs and the political needs of, you know, putting the best face on everything. But There's one key difference between internal and external polling. Internal polling done by the campaigns, and by external polling I mean polling done by the field poll or, or PPIC or these others. The PPIC field poll, they want to know who's winning a race, they want to know voter attitudes and thoughts about big issues. Yeah. The campaign poll wants to know who's winning the race, and then if I tell you that my opponent is a liar and a cheat, would you move? Would you change your vote? If I tell you that I'm gregarious, outgoing, warm, and nice, and have grandkids that love me and, and always pay my taxes on time, would you be willing to pay would, to vote for me? Yeah. And so what campaigns are trying to do is not just see where the horse race is, but to see what issues could be used to change the vote, see which voters are more likely to change in order to target voters who are persuadable by certain arguments. The PPIC poll doesn't care. The field poll doesn't yeah. care. Our stuff that we've done previously doesn't care um, necessarily what issues are going to change people's minds because we're not doing political mailers. But the campaign is more trying to look for polling to um, affect their targeting, their strategy, their messaging, yeah. what voters they're hitting. And so their polls being used for different purposes. Yeah. Okay. Paul Mitchell, thank you very much, as usual. Thank you. Tim Foster, we'll see you next time around. I'm John Howard. Take care. Thanks.